Nine Christian albums and numerous hits made Rich Mullins a star in the Christian community, especially in Wichita, where he used to live. That today, Rich Mullins went to heaven. News of his death left a Christian youth rally in West Wichita stunned. Mullins' music carried a powerful and positive message that touched many. Family, friends, and fans of contemporary Christian singer Rich Mullins are preparing for a final farewell. For those of you who may not remember, the Christian singer died last weekend in a car wreck. And at this hour, thousands are filling Wichita State's Henry Levitt Arena for his memorial service. Rich Mullins died in an auto accident in central Illinois on September 19, 1997. It's been over 20 years since his death, and yet, here we are, like many others, still talking about his life, his music, his legacy. His passing sent ripples through the Christian music industry that are still felt today. And many people remember the precise moment they heard the tragic news, the third weekend of September, 1997. I was working on air on Y98, which is the mainstream radio station that I work with. This is veteran St. Louis radio programmer Stel Pontikas. Part of the CBS radio family, and a news item came across what was then the Newswire that mentioned that contemporary Christian music artist Rich Mullins was killed in an auto accident, and I was stunned. I was totally taken aback. It was during my air shift. And uh, that one was, was very difficult to handle. These names all have something in common. Jimmy Stewart, Frank Sinatra, Joe DiMaggio, Ella Fitzgerald, Alan Shepard, Harry Carey, John Denver, George Burns, Minnie Pearl... These are all famous individuals who passed away in the second half of the 90s. I kind of remember the news coverage of most of these, but I couldn't tell you precisely where I was when I heard about the deaths of Joe DiMaggio or George Burns, but I can tell you exactly where I was on Saturday, September 20th, 1997, when I heard the news. I was a student at Wheaton College at the time, and I remember the building, the room, even the exact chair I was sitting in when I found out. That moment left an indelible mark. So much so that I became a much bigger fan of Rich posthumously, and I paid closer attention to songs and writings and interviews of a man who I took for granted while he was alive. And seeing the steady stream of artists over the last 20 years who have pursued both craft and Christ as torch carriers of the principles of Rich Mullins, You know, it helped me to realize that his legacy is really all around me. Coming up in the second half, we'll continue the unfolding story of our quest to see the creation of a new Rich Mullins tribute album. But for the remainder of the first half, we'll hear from some folks who are closely connected to Rich and find out 
their memories of that tragic third weekend of September over 20 years ago. I'm Dave Trout, and from UTR Media, this is Release Date. My wife and I, our band The Wayside, we had a gig up in the Chicago area at some coffee shop that was up in the northwest suburbs. This is John J. Thompson, a dean at Trevecca School of Music and Worship Arts. And back in 1997, he owned the legendary independent music store True Tunes in Wheaton, Illinois. I asked him if he wanted to come out that night and sit in with us and, and do a song or two with us, and maybe we'd do one of his songs. And so he was going to do that, but then he called me uh, the afternoon before the show, and he'd forgotten he had to drive back down to Wichita for some quick thing, so he wasn't going to be able to do it. So he apologized, and we said, oh, we'll do it next time. And I think we had another show booked, so he was going to do it uh, the next time. Um, but that ended up being the night of the accident that took his life, and, and we found out literally as we were coming off stage, someone uh, called and told me, and couldn't believe it and it was it was another kind of strange small world moment because the guy who called me was a guy who worked for me named Steve and he only, he only worked at True Tunes um, occasionally and he lived way out west in the suburbs and we didn't even see him very often sometimes but he also worked at a gas station right out on Route 39 and he had just seen uh, Rich and Mitch the, his friend who was traveling with them they had stopped at his gas station for gas and recognized Steve from True Tunes so he stopped in and, and Steve said hi and stuff and I guess the accident happened just a few minutes after that um, so uh, Steve was the one who called me and, and told me he just heard about it so uh, that was just heartbreaking and uh, still uh, just an amazing an amazing time that uh, I got to spend with Rich and uh, he was such a a hero in a lot of ways, but also the more I got to know him, I think what I loved most about him was uh, he wore his flaws on his sleeve. He was just such a real person, and he really had a, a firm concept of of grace and of uh, really what mattered about uh, the Christian walk, and he was just a, a huge inspiration to me. Uh, I hope that uh, the body of Christ never forgets about him. Next, here's veteran radio promoter Chris Hauser. I know right where I was uh, in 1997 uh, when I found out about Rich's passing. I was, uh, my family and I go to Florida, the Gulf Coast, every September uh, for a week um, for vacation. And uh, we were coming back. We left the radio on in the living room, a couple lights on. And uh, while we were away, and when I drove, when I walked in with two large bags, uh, we had the radio on, and it was, I think, the Salem Network, and they were announcing uh, that Rich had passed uh, the day before. And I just dropped the bag, sat on the chair, sat on the couch, and was like, it just, I was, uh, I don't know what happened in the next couple of minutes. My wife walked in, and I, I told her. Um, the crazy thing is I'd spent more time with Rich in uh, 97 than I'd ever spent with him prior because we had gotten uh, Cademan's, because Cademan's call um, recorded Hope to Carry On, which was a big number one smash in the summer of 97. And I was there uh, getting Rich and Mitch on stage to sing with Derek Webb and Garrett Buell at Cornerstone, the first night of Cornerstone 97. Uh, I had an unforgettable experience uh, that if any of your listeners 
find me out and about and are able to get face-to-face with me, I will tell every one of your listeners a unprintable Rich Mullins story. So, anyway, it was a bit of a shock, and it's just the the 20-year anniversary has been uh, very contemplative for me as well. Yeah, I was in, I was I got home from a date with my wife. This is singer-songwriter Andrew Peterson. Yes, the real deal. And uh walked into the kitchen and there was a guy in our house who was a friend of mine who was babysitting and he handed me the phone and I said, "What's going on?" He said, "Rich Mullins just died." And uh and I wrote a song I wrote a song about it called 3 Days Before Autumn, which is hard to find these days, but uh but put to put to words the way that I felt that it, it was kind of devastating, and you felt silly for being devastated because he wasn't someone that I knew personally. But uh, but yeah, it was a big deal. We're, you know, in the years right after he died, uh, I would I I still tend to do a Rich Mullins song in concert almost every night, and uh, and it used to be when I would say anybody here ever heard of Rich Mullins, everybody would cheer, and now when I say that, there will be like three people who know who he was. And that kind of kills me. I just kind of want to go, no, don't forget about this incredible body of work that he left. So, um, Richard was headed from Chicago to Wichita to do a weekend of concerts. This is longtime friend and former bandmate in Zion, Beth Snell Lutz. And I had gotten vacation and was headed to Wichita to hang out with him and Sprinkle was out there for the weekend. Um, I was so looking forward to it. And we'd heard there was an accident early in the morning. Um, I got a call about five or six o'clock in the morning that there had been an accident, that someone was gone. We didn't know if it was Mitch or if it was Richard. And I didn't know whether to stay local in case I needed to go um, tell his mother about the accident or if I needed to just go to Wichita and and be out there in case I was needed out there. Uh, I I wasn't thinking clearly and I just went ahead and went to the airport. Um, I was boarding an airplane to go to Wichita and I was paged and a friend had called to tell me that he had been identified and that Richard was gone. Like two weeks before then, I had um, rediscovered a box of 20-year-old tapes in my barn and had been listening through them for a couple weeks, knowing that he was continually pulling songs out of the past to put on new projects. And I was determined that he hear a couple of these songs and remember them. And so I'd been listening through a tape. And so when I got in my car, turned on the key, the tape began to play and out of the speakers came a song that I hadn't realized that I'd even recorded. Um, a, song, a song that he had written for me years before, uh, just encouraging me and giving me hope. But what was amazing in that moment was that in the song he says my name several times and it's the name of the song and so I was quite literally it felt like I was hearing him speak to me personally from the other side of the Jordan and what was amazing was that I've I've lost people in my life and what you often forget within a number of years is the sound of their voice you forget how they said your name. You forget 
the tenor of their voice, the colloquialisms they used. And so to have this song breathe into my heart in this time of heartache um, was so important. My lifelong relationship had begun with his music and God was providing a way through my grief with the same songs that had drawn me to life and to a, an understanding of a God of grace and mercy so many years before. What about you? Do you have a Rich Mullins story? Do you remember where you were in September 1997 when you first heard the news of his tragic death? We would love to hear your stories. Write a note, record some audio, or make a selfie video and send it to releasedateshow at gmail.com. Greetings from Texas. This is singer-songwriter Caroline Cobb, and my friends at UTR Media have just released a new album over at Noise Drake called UTR's Best Songs of 2017. Basically, it's a mixtape of some of the most well-crafted, faith-inspired music, and I'm honored to have one of my songs on this sampler. Plus, you'll find songs by other A-plus artists like Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, John Tips, Taylor Linhart, Christopher Williams, and more. Best of all, the download of the whole album is available for free. A tip jar is available to support UTR Media, too. Find the album UTR's Best Songs of 2017 at Noise Trade or at utrmedia.org. This UTR podcast is sponsored by New Frame Creative 
a Christian-owned, full-service digital marketing solution offering website design, branding, SEO, video production, and more. And yes, they designed the new UTR Media logo and website. Check out their services and portfolio at newframecreative.com. Support for this episode is made in part by the 2017 InterVarsity Press book, Movies Are Prayers, which reminds me, I talked to a young man named Dakota about movies recently. So, Dakota, do you mind me asking you how old you are? I know you're a young whippersnapper. Uh, I'm about 20 years old, about to be 21. All right. What is your favorite movie of all time? Favorite movie of all time would be Saving Private Ryan. Very cool. I love that. Um, what do you think about the idea that movies are prayers? I can see that going along with each other because movies in general give out subtle messages mm -hmm. that you might have to watch once or twice to actually pick up on. With Save a Private Ryan, you got, um, it's a military movie, war movie, so the prayer of going home, savior, yeah. and courage is yeah. all there. Yeah, that could be a prayer of yearning, could also be a prayer of obedience. Yeah. Dakota is right. Movies do more than tell a good story. They often function in the same way as prayers, communicating deep longings to God in the form of lament, praise, joy, confession, and more. Movies are prayers, written by Josh Larson, film critic and editor of Think Christian, and published by InterVarsity Press, available now at ivpress.com or wherever you buy books. objective as a podcast is to give you an honest look behind the curtain at the making of an album. For now, you get a first row seat at the highs, lows, highs, lows, and highs of our efforts to see a new Rich Mullins tribute album. Notice how I ended on highs, <laughs> but here's the thing. We're sharing the story of this journey without knowing how the story will end. In our last episode, we talked about how we tried to seek funding from Centricity Music and Compassion International, but both ended up as dead ends, mainly due to timing issues. One of the reasons we wanted professional-level funding is so that Andrew Osenga could do a professional-level production job and make this tribute something special. So we needed to find out if our dead ends affected Andy O's involvement. Here's a recorded conversation with the other Andrew, Andrew Greer, about those developments. So, okay, so I talked to Andy, and I kind of had it soon. He's just on fire, busy, and I think he has a really good job opportunity, possibility that he's kind of keeping under the radar. Right now, that'd be great for him and his family uh, in, here in town with music stuff. So I um, kind of just sensed that it's getting a little over his head as far as time-wise. Um, that if we had had, you know, had done it with centricity or a label or compassion and had the more of the financial resources at our hand, that he would have been able to, you know, set aside a month and say, okay, this is dedicated to the Rich Project. Let's get it done. I think he's also doing Young Life Camps again this summer. So. Yeah. Uh, for the first time in a while, so they're not far away from that, which obviously we would basically need to get things done before he left for that. So anyway, so I was kind of gathering all this, you know, while I've been gone and 
um, and I'm assuming some things. So I just texted him this morning and said, hey, um, I have some kind of ideas about the project. I still want to help Dave steward this, um, if possible, some, and just kind of seeing where you are on your schedule and whatever, just want to move forward, you know. So since he's like, I just can't commit the time at this point in my family's, you know, uh, life without the cash. Um, and I said, yeah, I totally get that. And he said, but I would love to be a part, you know, and I, you know, my feeling was at first with Andy was one of the great things about Andy is that, uh, he really is plugged in with some of the key relationships that we would love to be a part of this, which I think is basically saying Andrew Peterson and Jason Gray. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I don't think there's anyone, you or me or whoever, can't, one, ask, and that two probably wouldn't be very interested no matter how it's going down, you know? Okay, Osenga was out. Well, at least as an official producer, uh, not that he wouldn't chip in and help out if needed, but it's a major bummer, at least for us, but completely understandable. We actually asked... Andy O, what he was thinking at the time of that decision. I mean, it kills me because I love, I just have such a vision for this project, but um, you know, like I mean, you and I have talked about this, like, you know, my big responsibility in, in life is not making records that I'm passionate about, it's taking care of my family, and I just have, you know, I can't I can't, I would love to be in the position to just work for free for a couple months, but I just can't, and so um, you know, I'm hoping something changes that could allow that. But at the time, at this time, uh, it just doesn't make sense. You know, so again, like, I'm happy to, you know, if I can help in however way, w- w- whatever ways I can help. I mean, I would love to be more involved than not. But I don't think I could be a producer of an album at this point that just, I don't think I, I have the emotional and, and uh, stamina to just sort of muscle it through on just my own passion. Um, I, there's got to be some other people that are in, that are involved, kind of carrying it financially and otherwise. You know. Well, I'm tempted to call that a major setback, but in reality, we weren't completely that far off the ground. So it definitely was a setback as far as this potential project that we had in mind. And honestly, I wasn't sure if Andrew Greer was going to stick it out either. In some of the conversations right around that time, you started to hear some doubts, at least throwing your hands up in the air. From a practical standpoint, thing has got to be getting mixed and mastered by, you know, really by the end of July at the latest. And then, I mean, we need a month turnaround time for, you know, um, artwork and um, just manufacturing, honestly, depending on when we want it by, uh, what kind of release date you're looking at. Um, And I know that can evolve some, but anyway, so there's a lot of parts, you know, that I'm still thinking through of like, I mean, I don't really know how we're going to afford it, but we're just going to start and we're going to do it. You know, like, I mean, I I, I know how we can afford recording it, but we got to mix it. We got to master it and do that well. Um, and artwork and then manufacturing. So 
I don't have any idea. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, we're just gonna have to figure it out, you know. So yeah, um, we'll 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 get it done. We, we've got renewed energy, but we'll we'll get it done. Awesome, man. So hold out with me, and then we'll celebrate soon. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> I am so grateful for Mr. Greer's dogged determination to help me, help UTR, help this project, even with no clear understanding of the best way to move forward, or even if he'd get compensation for his time. That seemed to be an afterthought, which is something you hardly ever find in the music business. So we are grateful. And if this journey was to end here, it was worth it. And honestly, I personally had a lot of fun being a part of this ride. However, the story does not end here. Andrew said he had a new idea about possibly getting a different producer involved? Huh, really? Who would that be? Reed Arvin. Reed Arvin, well, okay, well, we're talking about Reed Arvin taking part in his first Rich Mullins music project in decades. This is a big deal. This is Joe Cook from KAJC and Western Indian Ministries and a self-proclaimed Rich Mullins superfan. Reed Arvin is to Rich Mullins what George Martin was to the Beatles. Rich was a brilliant songwriter, but musically, he was unrestrained. He was a little bit all over the place. Reed Arvin helped give his music focus, and really, it was Reed that made Rich the brilliant recording artist that he was. Uh, Reed Arvin is a big part of the reason that we remember those records so fondly all these years later. So Andrew set up a meeting with Reed to talk about a seemingly impossible task seeing if Reed would come out of his music career retirement and help produce this tribute with us. Obviously, it's not something anyone could expect an immediate answer to, so we were looking for positive signs. Yeah, so Reed and I had coffee the other day just to talk about his potential involvement in co-producing uh, this Rich tribute record, this would really be the first thing that he had touched that touches Rich, you know, since the last record they did together and the last record they did together was Liturgy, Legacy, and Ragmuffin Band. So pretty significant if he came out of the woodwork to do this. So we just briefly touched on what that might look like, kind of the emotions around that for him, and if he would even be interested. I didn't know. I thought I might be broaching subject by kind of crossing a line and even asking. Uh, Reed and I uh, had gotten to know each other just a little bit through his participation in the book that I authored. So that's how we connected and then I just decided to broach the subject and he said, well, let's at least talk about it. Reed and I had a great coffee. I did not know how it would turn out. Reed, Reed is kind of a persnickety musician fellow too and Reed and I had some of our own <laughs> kind of battles in the book thing because he was fairly controlling of his piece that was his contribution and there were things I could and could not do or thought I could and could not do and but what I found with Reed is just a really uh, kind of a sweetheart of a persnickety fella if you will and that yeah. that's probably describes me you know 
I think what Reed will bring to this project is, is almost a sense of context, you know. Those songs are a part of his DNA. I mean, they're part of his personal and professional history. I think that Reed's involvement lends a credibility to this project that makes it so much more than just another Rich Mullins tribute album. Next episode of Release Date, Andrew Greer pulls together a do-or-die meeting in Nashville with an all-star team of people to give this tribute one final shot in the arm. And yes, Reed Arvin is at that meeting. Yeah. This is my, I'll tell you this, this is my last straw of this direction, like the Reed thing. I think the Reed thing is potentially an amazing uh, possibility, and I'll talk a little bit more about our meeting here in a second and why I think it could be amazing. Uh, and you talk about someone who, if he wants to do it, very open-hearted you know, about it. Uh, not what your fears are feeling about the artist type thing. Yeah. Release Date is produced and hosted by me, Dave Trout. Special thanks to Andrew Peterson, Beth Snell-Lutz, Chris Hauser, Stel Pontikas, Andrew Osenga, The Ragamuffin Archives, John J. Thompson, and Joe Cook. Joe, along with Chris Marchand, hosts a different Rich Mullins-themed podcast called Between the Songs, and it's totally worth getting at Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Again, feel free to share your Rich Mullins stories or recollections of the news of his passing by sending a note, audio, or video to releasedateshow at gmail.com. Release Date is a production of UTR Media an independent, listener-supported, nonprofit ministry in Chicago, Illinois, and online at utrmedia.org. Hey guys, tune in to the two-hour broadcast of the Rich Mullins Tribute Concert. From Escape to the Lake 2017. Hear tribute songs from great artists. If I stand, let me stand on the promise that you will pull me through. If I can't, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you. And stories from those who loved him. He made a real effort to contribute and to make a difference. And that was extremely meaningful to me. So in that way, the, the truthiness and the integrity of the way he lived made me feel okay about how, how hard it is to be truthy and filled with integrity. UTR Media's Rich Mullins Tribute Concert. Available now at YouTube or at utrmedia.org.